calm the storm that surrounds me In just one word, the darkness has to retreat With just one touch, I feel the presence of With just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Hey. Just one broken inside me with just one word and you revive every dream with just one touch I feel the power of heaven with just one touch my eyes were open to see my heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can't move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a prison for He can't break through Praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do There's nothing that our God can't do You conquered the grave, sin and death You overcame, yes I will believe for greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus So let faith arise and let all agree There's no power like the power of Jesus I will believe for greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus so let faith arise let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Cause I will believe for greater faith. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can't do.
Hey, First Kids, I hope you're all doing well and staying safe. I just wanted to send a reminder about our Bible lesson that is posted on our First Kids Facebook page every Wednesday. You get a video and you get questions that are a great opportunity for family discussion. I also wanted to ask if you could just take a few minutes and draw some pictures for me, um, include some uplifting words and some scripture. We would like to put these in the to-go meals that are handed out at our church on Saturday. They're going to be going to our families in need, to our shut-ins, and to our nursing homes. This is just a great way for you guys to be able to bring some joy to others during this time. And as always, we do miss you. We do love you. We think about you every day. If you guys need anything, please don't hesitate to call or text me or Miss Ashley. And I just hope you guys have a great week. Bye. Oh, hey, First Youth. How are y'all doing? We sure have been missing you, but there's been a lot of work going on behind these doors to turn the Family Life Center into the underground. And we can't wait to show you all the exciting things to come. Yes, we have been working so hard, but the work has been kind of fun. And you know, we're not sure when we're going to all be able to get together in the underground, but when we do, it's going to be finished, it's going to be amazing, and you're going to have the opportunity to invite a friend, to ask someone who doesn't have a church home, to come with you to worship at the underground and to hear God's Word. So. We can't wait till we can all be together again. We love you, we miss you, and hopefully we will see you really soon. Bye.
sing Waymaker. Good morning, church. My name is Kent Halsey, and Keith McCann and Jim Adams and I would like to share some thoughts regarding how the church is responding to the virus. The Finance Committee met virtually and passed a revised budget which will reduce our expenditures over $200,000 for this year. This will be presented at the next church council meeting. Most of these reductions are in cost for programs that will not happen this year due to the virus. Some expenditures were costs that we were paying commercial people to do and now must be done with volunteers. Some of our members will suffer financially and should not be upset that they cannot continue to financially support the church as they have in the past. Others have the faith and financial strength to cover what is lost and keep our mission for Jesus intact. Of this I am very confident and we will grow closer to God as we continue to do His will. I'm Jim Adams and I wanted to take a minute to chat about um, our wonderful staff here at the church. Through the years, our church has recruited and developed the best team around. Even in these difficult and trying times, they continue to provide the best ministry possible, from calling elderly, writing encouraging notes to youth and those from the prayer list, and using any way possible to connect and interact with our members and those in the community who need support. Between cleaning, yard work, and some physical renovations, the staff has kept busy making improvements that we can be proud of. The church has the financial resources to keep our team together. Spiritually and morally, we should act as leaders and maintain our staffing levels at a time when so many aren't. We, we do look forward to a time when we may worship together again. But in the meantime, our team is working diligently to maintain our spiritual connection to God and to one another. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Keith McCann. We all miss the ability to gather and worship together. All of our members can be leaders in helping our church during this time. We need to support each other as much as possible and encourage each other to do whatever we can either in giving or prayer or services. Now's the time to reach out to each other on the phone or text message or any way other than physical contact. In doing so, we need to comfort, encourage, and support each other in this life of service to the Lord. We need to overcome what is currently lost in not gathering together. So reach out to your fellow members. Help us keep that sense of togetherness that we love and miss. Hope to see you guys soon. Good morning, friends. I wanted to take this time for all of us to be in prayer together so that we can go to our Lord on our knees in this time of, of trial, of separation, and of anxiety. I want to take a moment to remind you of the prayer concerns of your local church. I had to pull out my phone to get it. Remember those who are in assisted living and in the nursing homes, they are probably especially isolated in this time. I know I haven't been able to go visit with any of them, and I don't think many of you have either. So remember them in your prayers. 
And we also send our sympathies to Rebecca Cockrell on the death of her aunt, Eloise Means. Keep Mike Brown in your prayers. And all of our health care workers, the doctors and nurses who are on the front lines who are, are battling the sickness and trying to take us to a, not back to where we were as normal, but as a new normal and a new way of life. Remember them and all of their sacrifice. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious and yet different day. We thank you for all of your many blessings that we see even or especially in this time of pandemic, in this time of trial, of worldwide crisis. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to give us all strength, compassion, wisdom, and courage. As we live out the next weeks of our lives where, where we don't know what's going to happen day to day. Where things are going to be different than what we're used to. We lift up this morning to you the prayer concerns of our local church. Our friends and our families. Who are all struggling with some type of, of trial. The trials that take place. Because we live this physical life. We especially lift up to you this morning the healthcare workers who are battling this COVID 19 virus, who are trying to, to help our world become stable again. We lift up the leaders of the world and we ask that you would put in their hearts your will, your grace, your compassion, and your love. Forgive us, Lord, where we fall short. Don't hold our trespasses against us. And help us to forgive those who have done against us. Those that we disagree with. Those that we are angry with. Help us to live a holy and whole life as you yourself are holy. We thank you again, Lord, for all that you do for us. And now we pray together as Christ taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Today's scripture reading comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word is the good news that was announced to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, friends. It's awfully good to be here uh, in worship uh, with you again. You know, I was thinking back uh, when I went to seminary. One of the questions that, uh, that they asked you upon uh, admission was, do you think the church can survive in today's culture? Well, those of you that know me uh, know that I wanted to slap the guy that, that, that asked that. It's God's church. He gave his son for the, the church, for all of us, and the church will survive. Uh, I wanted us to go over today and uh, look at uh, First Peter and uh, to look at a, a people that uh, were in exile. Um, they were no longer at home. They, had been, uh, they were part of the uh, diaspora, the dispersion. Um, the temple had been destroyed uh, there in Jerusalem. Uh, they were in Asia Minor. And uh, to give you a little bit of background, not that you uh, have to know all this, but friends, a lot of times uh, having some background and uh, gives us a lot of reason why that things were written the way that they were. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great church. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your people, the people that you have called and set apart and called us to be holy. We pray, Lord, as we visit this morning and your word is proclaimed that you receive all honor and the glory. In Christ's name, amen. Starting with 1 Peter uh, 1.13, this section begins with the word, teaching us to prepare our minds for action. 
The action is a verb. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it means don't set, go do something, uh, being, being called to action. Why? Because we were called by God to continue God's work while we're on this earth. The reason that we can do this is because you and I have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what makes all things possible. For us to be able to, to carry the gospel into the world. Um, for us to have hope. You know, the scriptures uh, teach us uh, to always be ready. Be ready to give an account for this hope that we have in us. Hey, with this uh, coronavirus and everything going on and uh, our president and uh, governors and, and everything uh, talking about opening back up uh, our country and uh, all that, we have hope. Um, we have hope that, that uh, Jesus Christ is leading uh, our leaders and, and what they do and how they go about doing it. You know, the main verb that's used here uh, in the scriptures that I'm talking about this morning uh, is that is that of hope or to set your hope. In other words, we have understanding. Set our hope entirely upon God's grace to be given, as the scripture says, to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ when Christ is revealed. We have been born into this living hope. Therefore, hope. Live out your call. What is it that that the Lord has called you to do, even during this, uh, this time of uh, social distancing and, uh, and everything. What is it, as you said, and you, uh, as Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary said, and you ponder these things in your heart, what is it that God has called you to do? You know, they didn't know, the, the people that, that, uh, St. Peter was talking to, they didn't know what was coming next any more than what you and I do. They were in exile. And I know that um, a rhetorical question, of course, but ever feel that way? Maybe you feel like you're in exile even in your own home uh, with, with uh, you know, nerves being shot and, um, and your kids jumping up and down on the last nerve that you had. I get that. Uh, I get that. Believe me. We look at our world today and our nation and our state there's no way that anyone could have ever predicted what is going on. But God's word, and that's our foundation. That's our foundation. God's word teaches us there is hope. God's word teaches us to be holy. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a, a few minutes. Um, you know, there is hope, and you have read about it, and, and, uh, and we believe it. Now is time for us to live it before others. How does the world view the church today uh, during this pandemic? Uh, do they see us uh, walking around with our heads down or, or uh, saying, gee whiz, uh, we didn't deserve this, or uh, blaming others or, or something? Of course not, because we set our hope in Jesus Christ. When the scripture talks about preparing our minds for action, I'm reminded of uh, my daddy. Um, daddy wore overalls, uh, just, a, just a farmer with an eighth grade education and one of the smartest uh, men I've ever known in my life. But anyway, um, he'd roll up his sleeves and I'd say, Dad, what, what are you doing? He said, son, we're fixing to get after it. 
And so I can't keep uh, from thinking about daddy whenever the scriptures talk about, um, you know, for us to, uh, to, to prepare our minds for action. Be self-controlled. Be disciplined. Uh, grace here seems, seems to have a, a slightly different meaning than its earlier use in the epistle. Here, grace is a salvation to be granted uh, at the parousa, or, or when Christ is revealed, in other words. The whole verse is an exhortation to have hope uh, in the light of Jesus' impending revelation. As people are ready for action, Christians are to live in hope. Verses 14 and 15 uh, also have one main thought. Be holy. Be holy. Think back for just a moment. Uh, God says, be holy. Talking to his people. For I am holy. What does that mean? Uh, when I think about it, I think about sanctification. When I think about being holy, I think about God calling, uh, first of all, the Israelites, his people. Telling them to be holy. Set apart not for special privilege. No, no. That's not what uh, the church, nor the Israelites, nor the church, has been called to do. But set apart for service. To make God's holy name known to all the families of the earth. You see, God blessed Israel as God has blessed the church to be a blessing to all the people families of the earth this word describes the state of those who are called to be holy we are not to conform to those evil desires any more than the exiles were that saint peter was talking about you know it's not enough for us to leave our old life behind we we as readers of 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 god's holy word are to embrace the possibilities of the new to be holy in all that we do as you think about the, the future of First United Methodist Church, what do you think about? Do you think about this being a, a place uh, where all people can come and, and worship God and, and be a part and be a part uh, in doing what God has called them to do for them to be able to live out their lives and the call that God has on their life right here, right now in this local congregation? Be a child of, of obedience. And that's, that's a word that, that we don't like much. Um, I know my kids don't like that much. I didn't like that much uh, growing up. Um, you know, I would ask, uh, as, as our kids do today, uh, well, why, Daddy? Because I said so. That, that's what I was told all of my life. I didn't much like it then, and our kids don't like it today. But we're to embrace the new ways of, of holiness. These Christians are children of obedience. And it speaks primarily, friends, to their status as those who obey God. But they are children. When the scripture says children, I, I got to thinking maybe these were new Christians just that were recently born again. The reference of their former pagan days of ignorance recalls uh, um, in, in the book um of Acts uh, 17, 23, 30, and Ephesians 4, 18, and on and on and on and on. The point of these verses is to compare the one who calls us to be holy, and that's God. A holy God demands a holy people. Just as God is the God of hope, 
This quotation uh, is one of the dominant themes, of course, in Leviticus. Y'all know that. It's a claim that uh, we're to be holy for God is holy, like God's own people. Here, First Peter, like much of the early Christian writing, takes, uh, takes the words of Moses and addresses the children of Israel. And, and St. Peter here applies them unapologetically uh, to Christian people, to us. It's, uh, it's significant, perhaps, that Moses spoke these words to the Israelites while still in the wilderness. Do you feel like that today? Um, with things being shut down and not being able to do uh, the things that we would like to do. And uh, um, even uh, for me, sports and being able to be uh, a, a part of the community and everything. I'm sure you do. Sometimes I feel that way. In the next verse, uh, we're reminded of what it was like. Uh, for these people to live in exile. 117 talks about invoking the name of God. Friends, when we invoke the name of God, we pour our hearts out in prayer, in supplication. You know, uh, for me, there are four parts of, uh, of my prayer life. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And, and when, when I do that, I'm calling on the name of the Lord, not simply for me and my family, but for all the families of the earth, asking God to intervene, asking God to be really present in the lives of other people, you know, because we know that God judges fairly. Uh, and, and let me say this too. So we're to live in appropriate fear of God's judgment. There is judgment. If, if there was no judgment, how could God be just? What is clear is that God's claim as his father is directed uh, here in verse 14. Readers and God calls on us to be obedient children. This verse includes both the, uh, reminds us of God's gracious relationship to Christian people and the call to responsible living. You know, I, I have wondered as we have time to contemplate and, and to sit back and, and to think about responsible living, how the church uh, responds today. Um, I watched the bishop's uh, sermon uh, last Sunday that, that they sent to us. And he talked about uh, how proud that, that he is uh, of, of the church and, and what a lot of different churches uh, are doing and how that we uh, celebrate the sacraments. And he even um, was talking about it'll be after uh, May the 17th before we can have any gatherings um, of 10 or more even in our uh, churches. I sat uh, here with Lucas this morning in this beautiful uh, worship center. And I think of how truly blessed that we are, how truly blessed that I am, uh, that my family is, to be able to give, not only with my service, but, but to be able to give with my prayer life, uh, to give financially uh, to the church so that ministry can be done, and to live out our faith uh, right here, right now, during this pandemic. To live out our lives, to live in the, the right relationship. You know, in this context, and as we look at it today and what's going on in our world, 
the exile seems to be a time of waiting for that full salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed. Live in reverent fear since you know, the scripture says. Christians base our lives not on what is perishable, but what is imperishable. Not on what the base is, but what is precious. Verse 7, and we didn't read that today, forgive me. Uh, but anyway, in verse 7, uh, it was the faith of Christians that was precious and imperishable. But over in verses 18 and 19, it is the blood of Christ. Much of First Peter is, is based on the analogies between life and faith and, and the gifts of the faithful. And as uh, we talk about the gifts of the faithful, of course, uh, we think about uh, Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 and how that all people are giving gifts and entrusted with those gifts uh, so that we can be the body of Christ. Christ's precious blood evokes the, the believer's faith. He died for all of us. He died for the sins of the world. Christ, the living stone, has become the cornerstone. The reference to Christ's blood as being like that of a perfect lamb reminds Christian people that we have been sprinkled with the blood in in our initiation into the faith, but it's also, but it's also not just in our faith, but in our obedience to the Lord. You know, this reference to an unblemished lamb, we think back again to the book of uh, Leviticus and how that they couldn't just offer uh, any old uh, sacrifice to God and that be acceptable to God. It had to be perfect without blemish, without spot. They were to bring their first fruits, not what they had left over. That's what it means to be a holy people. The perfection of the lamb uh, is a reminder of that. The claim that Christ himself is a sacrificial lamb, uh, we find that all through the, the New Testament, of course. And on Christ's sacrificial gift of himself, he begins to point to a major theme of the epistle. That Christians too, that would be you and me, will be called to live a courageous sacrifice each and every day. How is that going in your life? As you live out your faith and as you live out what God is calling you to do, do you uh, feel like, and this is something between you and God, uh, only only y'all would, would know that, uh, you and the Lord, I mean. That, that you're living out a courageous sacrifice. This verse captures the temporal framework of the entire epistle. But you see, Christ, the scripture says, has been known by God from the beginning of time. Here God's work in Christ is analogous to God's work in Christians. The faithful too have been foreknown, the scripture teaches. Destined for our calling of faithfulness. In other words, living out what we profess with our mouth. Not only does God's purpose in Christ foreshadow God's purpose in Christians, but also God's great act in Jesus Christ is for the sake of this little band of, of believers that were in Asia Minor. Just as the prophets served, not themselves, 
but the Christian faithful. So also Christ comes not to serve himself, but to serve those who believe in him. Aren't you reminded of the night when, uh, in John's gospel, when Jesus got up and took off his outer robe and girded himself and knelt down and washed his disciples' feet? Uh, I think of that every time I read this verse. Since this is a letter of encouragement, we can see how First Peter strives to encourage these faltering Christians by reminding them that from the foundation of the world that God has destined them to be God's people. From the foundation of the world. Think about that. God has destined Jesus to redeem us through his blood. And God has sent prophets to interpret God's word in Jesus for the sake of these same Christian believers to help us, to exhort us, to encourage us. This priesthood of believers that, that we uh, talk so much about in the church today, about everyone being a minister, to take care of one another, to love one another, to say, hey, you're not in this alone. You are of worth. You are of value. No matter what you have done, we have a Savior. You know, the analogy between Christ and Christians, it prepares us for the affirmations in verse 21. God has done a great work in Jesus Christ, his resurrection. And of course, hey, without the resurrection, uh, we don't stand a chance anyway. And his ascension to glory, God has done this great work for the sake of his church. Because of Jesus Christ, you and I as Christian people are given the gifts of faith and of hope. For you see, faith sustains us as Christian people in our relationship in this present time. And hope lays hold of the promise of glory that is soon to be revealed when Christ returns. Christ is coming back after his church. And I know there are many people that spend a lot of time. Uh, when's it going to be? Uh, what's it going to be like? And, and this and that. I have two words for you as your friend and as your pastor. Only two words. And y'all know what they are. You've heard me say them for 11 years now. Be ready. Then verses 22 through 25. Obedience is a major concern in this epistle. Faith shows itself. And hope realizes itself through obedience. The first manifestation of obedience is love for other believers. However, we understand the recipients of this letter found themselves in a threatened minority. They were in Asia Minor. They were dispersed. In a disbelieving and sometimes hostile world. Don't we? Don't we see that? Each and every day of our lives. Have you not been laughed at because of your faith? Oh, I know they haven't dragged you or your children out and stoned you. I, I get that. But, but don't people laugh? Don't people mock? Don't people call us hypocrites? Of course they do. You know, but not only the demands of the gospel, but also the dictates of prudence suggest the importance of mutual love. How are we doing, friends? How are we loving one another? You know, Ben Franklin's word to John Hancock 
spoken under the thread of persecution applies well, I believe, right here. Franklin said, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we will all hang separately. Jesus has called us as his church. Faith, hope, love has called us to be holy, to live our lives each and every day. And you know the good news is we have God's word. We have God's word. We have his promise. I ask you in the days to come, pick up the phone. Check on someone. Send someone a card. Pray for one another. Love one another as Jesus has taught us. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for the peace that you give to your people. We pray that we will be a holy people. That we will be an obedient people. Help us Lord in those areas where we are weak. Help us to love one another the way that you do. And that is unconditional. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh uh -huh.
your family, your children, and the children, the children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations. Your family, your children, and the children, and the children. Friends, it is wonderful to be able to share in this time of worship with you. I can't wait until we can all be together again in person. I just got to the point to where I rec- started recognizing everybody's faces, and now I feel like I'm going to have to learn them all over again. <laughs> but with that being said, go in peace. Go with love and go with God. Amen. <laughs>